you can learn as much as you can from these courses, but the most you'll learn is from people in your network and people that are doing it in your area. Because there's certain things that here in Saskatchewan that are going on that are way different than, say, down in California. Isn't it just the best when a software comes out that makes your life easier, makes you more money, and by the way, it's free? Well, welcome to Stessa, today's best ever sponsor. Stessa is a smarter income and expense tracking software for property owners. It allows you to track, manage, and communicate the performance of your real estate assets. So basically, it helps you make more money by looking at your properties in one dashboard. It's a beautiful dashboard, by the way. And it shows you the KPIs, the key performance indicators that you care about. What's the value? How much cash flow are you getting? What's the debt that you have on the properties? What are you bringing in monthly? What are you bringing in annually? And it allows you to have a quick snapshot, not only of your properties, but also come tax time, it's a breeze because you can scan receipts and invoices directly from the phone app and Stessa will automatically read and categorize them for you. No more data entry. It's been talked about in Forbes, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and all it takes is just a few minutes to add your properties, link the accounts, and everything updates in real time. Without Stessa, I was looking at my portfolio on an infrequent basis. I'm talking about my single family home portfolio. I got three single family homes, and I didn't realize that I had trapped equity. But if I was looking at it from a dashboard that Stessa has, then I would have realized that, hey, I got a portfolio value of X and I've got debt on it of Y. Holy cow, look at all this trapped equity. I'm missing out. And with Stessa, that won't happen. So go to stessa.com forward slash best ever. And it's free. It's free. Stessa.com forward slash best ever. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Tyler Hassman, how you doing, Tyler? I'm doing great, Joe. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. Nice to have you on the show. And a little bit about Tyler. He's a co-founder and president of M&H Real Estate Investments, Inc., he built a $12 million real estate portfolio, a $12 million real estate portfolio with over 86 units by the age of 21 years old, based in Regina, Saskatchewan. And with that being said, Tyler, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for the intro, Joe. So right now I'm still 21, turning 22 in, in a week here. So that'll be super exciting. But yeah, I've always been an entrepreneur. I've always wanted more out of life ever since I was young. So I've always wanted that. And I was super smart growing up, skipped grade six, and then high school hit grade nine. And I just couldn't focus in school. I was like, I don't want to learn any of this. I just want to make money. I want to run businesses. I don't know, the stuff I was learning just I felt like didn't apply to what I wanted to do. And the high school is that in a small town, Saskatchewan, there was no entrepreneurship or business classes. It was just the typical math, science, all this and that. So I started up a couple of t-shirt businesses in high school, little side hustles. Meanwhile, I just let my grades slip, didn't at all pay attention, barely graduated high school. So I went from being like the role model student, skipping a grade in elementary and then high school, I was like the story of, wow, this kid threw everything away. But in my mind, I knew I was going to hit success because I'm at home reading Think and Grow Rich, reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, studying all this entrepreneurship and business stuff. 
but I wasn't focusing on school. So it was a really, it was a tough time around people understanding what I was doing. But shortly after high school, didn't get into university, didn't want to go either or college. And I went into selling cars because I just wanted to have a job selling stuff because I love selling stuff. I'm a people person and I got hired at Mercedes Benz here in Regina three months out of high school. And I was a lot boy. So I ran cars around, got them washed up for the sales guys. But I always knew I wanted to sell cars. I wanted to be the car salesman at the time. Mm -hmm. So I studied the cars and then they fired the one sales guy two months in when I was working there. And I was like, put me in, please. Super ambitious. I had this entrepreneur burning desire in front of me. So I didn't care about my age or anything. I said, guys, put me in. So they put me in. And Two years went by and I was learning so much in car sales, so much about dealing with people, presenting myself right, and really getting past that age barrier. You know, you had a lot of clients that came in spending a lot of money and they would see me and be like, well, I don't want to deal with this little teenager, right? Mm -hmm. So the reason why I'm telling this is because then I really got mature very quick when I worked there. So then when I was sitting there the one night and I was like, I always wanted to do business, Right. So even though I was selling cars, doing good, I'm like, I'm an entrepreneur. I need to do business. And I was sick and tired of me starting up these little companies, like a t-shirt company here and there, little stuff like that. I'm like, I want to do a big boy business. So I was on Google and I was just Googling ways to get rich. And sure enough, <laughs> sure enough, there was a lot of funny things that popped up. But sure enough, the biggest one was real estate. Because you know, like you'd find these guys that create apps and like internet stuff and they're billionaires and this and that. But then like real estate, and you see that all over. All the big, wealthy, big guys and all like the rich people I know own real estate. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to do real estate. So that's actually how I decided to get into real estate was just from a Google search of me wanting to get rich. So now my morals have changed, obviously, but at the time, that's what that was. And then I was like, okay, well, I'm broke. I don't even have a credit card. I've never had a loan in my name and I don't know what I'm doing. And I was driving around looking for a hood house or like a ghetto house, like a really bad house in a bad area because that's all I could try and afford. It looks like a couple thousand dollar down payment. And then what happened was I was like, you know what? I'm wasting my time. I was getting nowhere because I really didn't know what I was doing. Like six months went by, a year went by, still selling cars. And I'm like, I'm not getting any traction. When am I going to buy my first property? And I started going to networking events, putting myself out there, and then found out about real estate investing courses. So I took a real estate investing course about purchasing multifamily buildings, and I just learned how to do it. And once I learned how to do it, I was like, this isn't so difficult. So then I went out, found a deal, and I had a business partner as well on M&H too. So I had a business partner, Bailey, as well. And we went out and we found a deal. And then we ended up raising the money, closing it. And then we got our first building. And then I was just turning 18 when that happened, still selling cars. So that's the thing. We're looking at hood houses. And then we got educated and then went and bought a $1.5 million brand new 12-unit apartment building. And within six months... And then from there, it was a big ripple effect. People saw what we were doing. And then there was three more buildings that came for sale. We closed on them, then two more. And it was just a ripple effect. And that ripple effect is continuing to go to this day. So that was kind of an extended story. But I hope that gave the viewers some more insights of my start to end. And then currently, actually, got to end it off where I'm currently... Currently, we're always growing our portfolio and raising capital here in, in Saskatchewan, Canada. And now uh, I also partnered with a, another business partner. I have another company, AHGC International. And our focus there is on OT Hotel Resorts down in Costa Rica. And we're also looking at, at the end of this month, I'll be going down to Phoenix as we're going to get into some short-term rentals 
down there and move down south and just do some stuff down there. So tax deeds, tax liens, wholesaling, all sorts of things. I'm really branching out now. Whose course did you take? It's a local lady up here in Canada. So it's 90 days to 5K is what it's called. It's a local one up here. So it was a great experience to learn it because I've taken big courses by big names. And the issue was with me is that I was attracted to wholesaling at the start because it's always like quick money. Is that the 90 days to 5K course to wholesaling? No, that's apartment courses. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was looking at wholesaling courses and they're all down in Texas. The one was by Cody Sperber and Josh Altman, clever investor. But then what I realized is I spent the money on the course, took the course. And then what happened was I then realized that in Canada, wholesaling is not a big thing because the banks don't foreclose so quick. There's no auctions where you can just go pick up houses for dirt cheap. So I was like, no, I wasted $2,000, which was a lot of money for me at the time. And I just realized I couldn't do that at the time. So it was really good learning from a local group. And I also learned a lot from being with local people. You know what I mean, Joe? You can learn as much as you can from these courses, but the most you'll learn is from people in your network and people that are doing it in your area. Because there's certain things that here in Saskatchewan that are going on that are way different than, say, down in California. For example? The biggest thing for multifamily, I would say it's pretty generic. For multifamily and what I do when it comes down to joint venture partnerships, I would say it's similar all around North America, at least. I haven't looked into worldwide, let's put it that way. But for North America, the system I use for joint venture partnership, that's common everywhere. But certain things when it comes down to whether it's the laws of the province up here or down in the States, I do know that there has been times where down in the States, the prices, you can't even justify them on some of the prices on some of these places, depending on the area. So we're really when it comes down to it, my biggest thing is wholesaling here in Canada is much different down in the States for that reason is that the banks don't just foreclose real quick. But as for multifamily, I would say it's very similar, but there's certain little things. There's little things about knowing the right people in the certain area to get the best deals and make stuff happen. Because I mean, if you're dealing with the system I do for multifamily, like I was saying, sum it up, it's universal, but I really stress people to get really tight with their own network in their own area, because there's certain things in the course that you're not going to learn, such as finding the right people and getting off market deals. You need to be a part of your local community. And you can't get that in any courses. Let's talk about the second deal that you did. And we'll get into details there just to bring this to life a little bit. So the first deal you said is a $1.5 million apartment building and you raised the money for it. What was the second deal? Second deal was the exact same building, but there was two of them. So two 12 units. And that deal there, it was interesting because... A lot of people saw what me and my business partner did, and we put a lot of work into putting that deal together because it was a brand new building. It didn't have any tenants in it. So we had to really get tenants in there, and it was a struggle at the start. But a lot of people saw what we did, and it turned really great profits and returns for our investors. So immediately when there was another two buildings from the same builder that came up in that area, there was actually people in our network locally that actually hopped on those ones first, Mm -hmm. the next two. And when you bought the first one for 1.5, how long until you bought second one, which was two 12 units? Four months. Okay, got it. So we closed on the mortgage. We were getting people into that building and it was really busy. That's why we weren't really looking at those other 12 units that were for sale because we're super time consumed. But in the meantime, another person in our group went and got those ones under contract. 
And then they started raising money on it. And then they realized, holy crap, we need Tyler and Bailey to come and do the work so they can bring it up to where it should be and bring it up to the standards because they've done it before. What work were you doing exactly? It was the management, the whole deal management and property management as well. Because here's the Saskatchewan. These buildings are in a small communities, but in the area, there's one of the world's largest underground potash mine. So there's thousands of world's largest underground what? Mine. Mine. Yeah, so they mine potash. So there's like thousands of workers in that area, but you need to be in that area. You need to get some furnished units. You need to really be on top of it. And the thing is, there's no property management companies in these areas. You can hire a local maintenance guy, and that's what we do. We have like a local maintenance guy that kind of goes in and out, but he's not the type of guy that's going to be doing good viewings or taking calls, signing leases. So that was why they needed us to come on because they needed somebody out there and feet on the ground. So you took... A general partnership ownership in the deal in exchange for property management, or were you a third-party property management company? No, we got direct shares. So we got direct shares because we were also the deal management. So we dealt with setting up the bank accounts, the corporation, getting the mortgage. We ended up doing all that. And then the other partners were the money partners that they went and found investors. So then that's the thing because that was part of our deal. We're like, do you know what? We don't want to just property manage it. We want ownership. So what else do you want us to do? And they're like, okay, well, since you want ownership, you guys have to manage the whole deal and, of course, the property. Okay. And then the first deal, did you do all of it or did you to break it up and have other partners on that one? We did all of it. We had, of course, our uh, capital partners where we raised the money. Sure. But other than that, it was just us. And then we actually, if there's any other young viewers out there thinking that, it's because you don't have any credit, this and that, it's your first deal, you can't get a mortgage. That's total lies because on that deal, it was very interesting, Joe. We got the investor's money and we go to get the mortgage. And the mortgage company comes back and they're like, yeah, no, the net worth is there from your investors. Everything's good, but we're not going to lend you any money because there's no experience. You're asking for a mortgage on a $1.5 million property, but you guys have never done real estate before and your investors haven't either. We don't care that they have money. The big thing is that there's no experience. So we actually then dug into our network and called somebody up that owned a bunch of real estate. And we're like, hey, we'll give you 10% sign on them for the mortgage and sign on to the deal. So we ended up doing that, cutting some shares, and then ended up getting the mortgage. So you, sometimes you got to be very, very creative to make deals happen. How many units is the $1.5 million property? 12 units. 12 units. Okay. And usually when it's a brand new building, did I hear that correctly? That it's brand new? Yeah. Okay, usually those aren't value-add opportunities unless the developer is in trouble and needs to get out. So what was the story for how this was a value-add deal? Yes, so the builders, they built these to sell as condos. And in this market, Joe, everybody was like, you can't sell condos in this market. In this certain region, because it's a rental region, you got all the mine workers, they aren't buying, they're renting because they only work there for two weeks and they go home for a week and they come back for two weeks. So they tried to build them and sell them as condos, had no luck at that. And then they were on the verge of bankruptcy. So they really need to get rid of these buildings. And then our value add was simply getting the tenants in there and making these condos, basically what they were branded as were condos, turning it into rentals. And how did you hear about it? We heard about it from a networking event. At these networking events, we would tell everybody we're looking for a building because we're hungry for a building. And then there's somebody at the event that said, you know what? I actually just found out about this 
a guy that has access to these buildings where his company is about to go bankrupt. And we're like, what? So we got in contact with that guy who actually is helping out this company by he's going to list the buildings actually. And then we called him ahead of time and said, no, like we're looking, you don't got to list them. And yeah, we ended up getting connected that way. So it was through networking. How much equity did you need to bring to the deal? We need to bring $400,000. $400,000. You're asking for like the, the cash we need to invest in there? Yes. Yeah, it was about 240000 or something like that. And then, of course, we had extra money for closing costs, reserve funds, and all that. But the okay. investor so capital four. we brought was 400000 Okay, perfect. And how many investors does that make up? That one was just one investor. One investor. And how did you know that investor? That investor, it was a connection from my business partner, Bailey. So it was a connection from him, and it was really tough on that particular deal because at the time when we first met the guy that had access to these buildings, the first building, we didn't know what we were really, we somewhat knew what we were doing, but then all of a sudden we're like, yeah, we want to go take a look and this and that. We're super interested. We want to get another contract. And he said, okay, well, how much money you guys got for deposit? Cause we already looked at the numbers <laughs> on it. And then we look at each other and then in the back of my mind, I'm like, I had no money at this time. I spent my money stupidly with the money I made from car sales. So uh, yeah, I know we got like 10 grand. And to me, I'm like $10,000. That's a lot, right? And all of a sudden he's like, yeah, I need at least 100,000 to start the process from you guys. Uh-huh. And we're like, oh no. So then we're like, oh my God. So we kept on doing networking, getting it going. And then uh, Bailey, uh, my business partner, he actually had a close connection that actually was interested in real estate. And then they ended up just putting the 100,000 in. Mm-hmm. And then we had some breathing room. We had another three months come up with the rest, even though we're like telling the seller, yeah, no, we got it. We got it. We're good. We're good. But we had our, some conditions to be met. So we were doing our inspections in three months. And then that investor actually ended up just putting in the full amount. And what's the structure of that arrangement just to educate the listeners? Absolutely. So what we do on that particular project, it's a joint venture partnership. So they're actually providing a shareholder loan. So those investors got 40% of the deal. And then we got 60 and then of course we gave 10 up for the George, one of our partners to sign on for the mortgage. So essentially they got 40% and then how we structure it is that we pay them back a hundred percent of cash flow. So all the cash flow goes directly to them until they get all their money back. And then once they get their $400,000 back, then we'll split it where we get 50% and then they get 50% of cash flow. So what our whole analogy on these is that we get a closing fee of one to 3% at the beginning of the deal, acquisition fee, closing fee, whatever you want to call it, so that our company can stay afloat. And then usually between, I would say year five and six, they'll have their full capital back by cash flow. Or if we take out uh, remortgage equity that we have in the building at that time, depending on the market is, and then they'll have continued ownership for the years to come until we either sell or somebody sells shares. So more of a long-term investment for them. Yep. And on the long-term investment front, what type of financing do you have on the deal? We get mortgage financing on there. Okay. When does the loan expire? The loan expires in 30 years. 30 years. Yeah, exactly. But we got a five-year term on it. Okay. So it's amortized over 30, but yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, There's a balloon payment in five years. No, so in the five years, then we're able to actually renegotiate the mortgage. But the amortization is the 30 years. So we have the CMHC mortgage is what it's called up here in Canada. Yep. So we don't have no balloon payment or anything at the end of that five years. It'll just continue on. Oh. It's not to remortgage. So the analogy with this and how our mortgage is, if we were to plan to own it all, oh, sorry, the amortization, it's not a 30-year amortization. It's actually basically 30 years we'll have it paid off. That's okay. what I'm trying to get at. 
I know what you're saying too, because if it was bridge financing, you know, amortization over years, then we have a balloon payment at year five, and then we own it cash and that they're paid out. I get what you're saying there, but yeah, no, this will be a, the standard have a mortgage on there for 30 years. If we don't remortgage or anything at the end of that 30 years, then we'll have it paid off. Okay. I'm with you. So there's no balloon payment at all over those 30 years. Correct. Different types of terms you all got up there than us in the US, that's for sure. It's possible to do something like that with our deals, but it's not typical. Usually there's a three, five, seven, ten, twelve, fifteen year balloon payment on the loan for commercial. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Because I know up here if it's private financing, then absolutely. Or if it's seller financing or vendor financing, whatever you want to call it. But up here, I mean it's a standard mortgage, that's how everybody gets their deals done here. Unless they're using, like I said, private money. Sure. So you basically made 15000 at closing because you got that 1%, and that's split between you and your partner, and you got 50% ownership in the deal, which is zero until the money person receives all of their money back, which is $400,000, and then profits are split 50-50 thereafter. Is that correct? Correct. And are they making any interest on their 400K over the period of time that it's needing to be paid back? No. What they're doing is with that money, the way it's structured is that these are certain type of clients that we work with. They're the type of clients where they are fine with having that money tied up, even though we're paying them back in quarterly payments. That's still just going to the principal. But here's where the huge returns are coming in is at year five, when they have all their capital back, then they own 50% of that asset. So they're going to get 50% of cash flow for the next 10, 20, 30 years of that building. So then it's going to compound and make a lot more than if we were just doing like a 10% interest over five years. You get what I'm saying? I get what you're saying. So there's other stuff we're working on now with like our boutique hotels and also the short-term rentals we're going to be doing down south. Those we're working on just doing interest only. So we have investors where they just want short-term, quick returns, year, two-year agreements. And that's what we're going to do. But these type of clients that we're working with on our multifamily properties, they're the type that they're looking to build that long-term wealth. Five, 10, 15 years from now is what they're worried about because right now they're sitting very comfortable. You mentioned some project or projects in Costa Rica that you're working on with more boutique hotels. You've got some multifamily deals where you live. And then I think you mentioned something else, which... If you didn't, you probably have something else going on, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got lots going on. The vacation right. rentals down in vacation. Phoenix. All right, there we go. Vacation yeah. rentals. So some people say there's a lot of power in focusing on one thing and doing that well. What are your thoughts on that? I would say to a point, but then again, I work 14-hour days, seven days a week. So I got lots of time. Because here's the thing. I have so many people that are like, dude, you need to focus on one thing. Or like, you focus on way too many things. And then those same people that tell me that are working eight hours on their business five days a week. So I got a lot of time. So what I do is, especially with Gary Kelly, one thing, his book. I love that book. It changed my life. But what I do is I basically hyper-focus on each project at certain times during the day. Because when it comes down to my multifamily, it doesn't require me to work 14 hours, seven days a week, nonstop on that. Maybe it only requires four hours of intensive work each day. And then the short-term rentals, maybe three. And then the Costa Rica, maybe more. So I manage my time really well. But I'm also at a point where I'm able to do that. At the start, it was like full force, only multifamily. But now i got systems in place and I also have people in place. 
So now I can diversify my time to grow my portfolio and also grow my company. So I'm not no more dealing with the tenants or property management at any of these buildings. I'm just overseeing the deals, talking to my bookkeeper accountants, sending out the quarterly reports and payments to investors. So I'm able to now focus my time and shift my attention to different projects. But for people that are just starting out, 100% you need to focus on one thing. For sure, one thing and go until you master it. Not Here's the thing, I haven't mastered anything. I believe I can always be growing, but I'm at a point where I am able to focus on other projects now. And I love what I do, and that's why I'm working basically 14-hour days, seven days a week. I'm never that type of person that just puts work first. All about exercising, focusing on my health, travel, friends and relationships as well. But I love what I do, so that's why I'm putting it in long shifts and doing all this crazy stuff. Real quick, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? My best real estate investing advice ever is to invest in yourself first before you ever invest in a property. What's the best way you've invested in yourself? What's something tactical that others can do that you've done? Hire a coach and mentor or get into a course specifically on what you want to learn in real estate. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Yes, sir. All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Finally, there's a simple way to track rental performance. Stessa, our best ever sponsor, lets real estate investors track, manage, and communicate the performance of our real estate portfolios for free. Go to stessa.com forward slash best ever. You'll always know how your properties are performing with this dashboard. It's a beautiful looking dashboard, and it will help you save time with smarter income and expense tracking You don't have to do any more data entry. Just upload the stuff directly from your phone. It tracks it in real time. Get organized for tax time with tax-ready financials so you can download them instantly. This thing was built by investors for real estate investors. It's been featured in all the publications you can think of. To get set up with your free account, just add your properties, link your accounts, and everything else updates in real time. Stessa.com forward slash best ever. S-T-E-S-S-A dot com forward slash best ever to get started. What if you could earn 10000 per month net cash flow for life? Now you can at the Residential Assisted Living Academy. Gene Corino teaches you how to take a single family house and turn it into a cash flow machine. Visit ralacademy.com to learn more. Okay, Tyler, best ever book you've recently read? The One Thing, Gary Keller. Best ever deal you've done that we haven't talked about in detail already? Eight-unit apartment building that we're actually going to be wholesaling, like just on the verge of closing. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction so far? Not being with the right partners. Will you elaborate? Yeah, managing partners, making sure you truly do know your partners. And I would say not ask for referrals, but ask other people that have done deals with them, their opinion on them and what their experience was. Best ever way you like to give back? Speaking, podcast interviews, and hosting live training events. And how can the best ever listeners learn more about what you got going on? They can hit me up on Facebook at The Young Guns of Real Estate or Instagram, Tyler Hassman. That's T-Y-L-E-R-H-A-S-S-M-A-N. Tyler, thank you so much for being on the show talking about how you got going and how you have acquired the properties that you've acquired, how you structured it with your investors, especially on the deal that we talked about in detail. Actually, we talked about two transactions in detail 
and the challenges that you came across and what you did to overcome them. Thanks for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. What if you could earn 10000 per month net cash flow for life? Now you can at the Residential Assisted Living Academy. Gene Corino teaches you how to take a single family house and turn it into a cash flow machine. Visit ralacademy.com to learn more.